Welcome back to the One Foot Down podcast. I am Eric Murta. I have Phil here with me. This is going to be a tough one to talk about. Notre Dame defeats Wake Forest 28-7. to Probably one of the most boring games in recent years for the Fighting Irish. Uh, they jump out to an early 21-0 lead from there. Um, it just felt like Wake Forest was trying to stab Notre Dame, and Notre Dame was gently stabbing back. Um, I don't know how long this episode is going to be, Phil. I might venture to say this is going to be our shortest podcast of the season and probably the least listened to podcast of the season. We're going to do it anyway. What do you think about this game? Yeah, I got to agree that it was, I don't know, it was, it was pretty boring. It, it, it seemed like, you know, the first half was cool. You know, I, I love to see the Trombetti, you know, pick six. That was pretty cool. But outside of that, you know, the, when we just died in the second half and offensively, we just couldn't do anything. Um, and I think besides being boring, this game, I don't know, it's probably got me worried a little more than it should in terms of, you know, continued sort of questionable play calling as far as run plays go, continued shaky play of the, uh, of the secondary, and finally just some head-scratching plays on the part of uh, what's supposed to be a dominant offensive line. So – I don't know. I think maybe I'm, I'm, I might be overreacting a little bit, but I just wasn't exactly thrilled by the performance that we saw. Well, let's start with the offensive line. I think that was the biggest talking point coming out of the game. Uh, Brian Kelly after the game said that Wake Forest threw all these new looks at them that they hadn't shown all year. It seems like this happens every two to three weeks for Notre Dame, especially for opponents that are coming off a of bye week. I mean, is that frustrating to, to kind of have to concede that? when you hear the coaching staff talk about things like that, are you frustrated that we can't counter some of those new looks? Um, I just throw it out there. I thought Kaiser was really tentative in this game. It kind of hurt Notre Dame that he wasn't able to hurt Wake Forest with his arm, with his arm all that well. They kind of flooded the passing zones on, on passing downs and uh, it just didn't really work. It, it seemed like he missed on a couple tough throws down the sidelines kind of felt like an old Tommy Reese type of game with some of the more difficult throws he was making. How frustrating was it to watch that? Yeah, I was, you know, it seemed like they were trying to sell out for the run and that's why we had no room to run up front. And I I agree with you. It is frustrating that a guy like Deshaun Kaiser, who showed so much talent uh, so far this year has been, was unable to really, you know, make Wake Forest pay. I mean, you can, you can talk about new looks or, you know, stuff that wasn't on film as much as you want. But if you look at the plays where, you know, like Steve Elmore was absolutely thrown to the ground um, on, on, I think it was a stretch play that um, he was thrown to the ground, was blown up in the backfield. You know, that's, that has nothing to do with scheme, nothing to do with preparation. It has to do with, you know, just being just beat. And that's the sort of thing that worries me, you know, I don't care if you don't execute your zone blocking perfectly because they threw a new, uh, a new blitz package at you. That's, you know, that's, that's something on its own. But when you're just sort of manhandled and thrown to the ground, that makes me worry. It makes me worry big time. It has flashbacks to, you know, against Alabama, against, you know, when we start playing good teams with good front sevens, you know, is this offensive line really all it's cracked up to be? Um, I don't know if that's an overreaction. I don't know if that's an accurate assessment, but that's sort of what goes through my mind when I see plays like that. Yeah, one thing I think it pointed out was Notre Dame only ran 49 plays on offense. Uh, Wake Forest did a really good job of keeping the ball away from the Irish offense. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have to wonder 
if we had run maybe 25 to 30 more plays, would we have kind of figured things out a little bit more, maybe got the run game going later in the game, obviously with extra snaps and all that. But you look at out of those 49 snaps, we had 10 plays that went for negative yardage just on those 49 snaps. That's a terrible ratio for Notre Dame. Um, Adams had 12 of his 17 carries go for four yards or less. And it wasn't like, I don't know, a lot of people have been talking about it was a vanilla game plan. I didn't really think it was that vanilla. I mean, we kind of did everything we usually do in the run game. We kind of tried to go on the outside. We did a little bit on the inside. This wasn't just trying to bang inside with Adams. We tried to go to the perimeter as well, and that wasn't working at all. Yeah, I don't. I think one of the things that we're seeing, and I don't really understand why we're seeing, is that at the beginning of the year, we used to see a lot of two end, two tight end sort of looks. Uh, guys would be sort of in more of a wing back uh, position uh, to, I guess, run more of a power look uh, to, you know, exert our will, or, or I should say, impose our will a little bit more. Um, and what we're seeing more is a tight end just sort of attached at the end of the line, not in that wing back position rarely see two tight ends on the field anymore. It's basically just Chase Hounshill, um, which I really don't understand why we moved away from that two tight end look. Um, and why, you know, we, I guess we saw some more of Luatua this week, uh, but we don't see him as much as I would like to. We don't see Wisher. Uh, I don't think Alizé Jones showed up at all during this game. At least I didn't see him really involved at all. And I kind of got to wonder, you know, how does that affect our run game? You know, we were so successful when we had these two tight end sets, you know, where the tight end was lining up more like an H-back and not just attached to the line of scrimmage, you know, and as, and if that affects productivity. I know this upcoming weekend we have Boston College, um, you know, both traditional stats and advanced stats say this is probably one of the best defensives in the country. Boston College has – probably or perhaps one of the worst offenses in the country that's not going to help them out but you know when Notre Dame only gains under 300 yards against Wake Forest I mean should we be pretty concerned this weekend I mean I don't know how many people think that Notre Dame's going to lose this weekend but should we expect a tighter game I don't really know I don't know either way but in terms of this week I think we're still going to beat Boston College and I think we're going to beat them uh handily but what it does worry me for is not even so much Stanford, but let's say, you know, you know, we, we, we can, you know, talk a lot about Notre Dame getting into the playoff and New Year's six, this, that, the other thing. I mean, what are we going to do when we have to play a, a real solid defense? Um, you know, that can just, it seems to just shut us down, you know, in these situations where we're not, you know, we don't have the ability to really manufacture a running game or anything like that. And I think that's where this game makes me worry more. Not so much to worry about Boston College. I think, like I said, we should still beat them. But it makes me worry that, you know, a team with more talent can really shut us down all that much more easily uh, in, in, in a later game in the season. Yeah, I think that's, that's a valid concern. I think part of me is wondering if this whole season that we've seen with the offense and, and how well they've done, still averaging over 36 points per game, Yards per play has been great all season until this past Saturday. I mean, you know, BC has a good defense. Uh, Stanford's defense isn't what it's been in years past, but they'll be okay at least. And, you know, if we play a bowl game, we'll probably see a good defense. If we play in the playoffs, we're definitely going to see a good defense most likely. I mean, should we be worried that this kind of whole thing is going to kind of 
go to pieces a little bit and, you know, Kaiser's youth is really going to shine against these good defenses and all the injuries are going to finally catch up to us. And some of the injuries on the offensive line are going to kind of come to home to roost. I mean, could it get that bad? I mean, is that such a worry? I don't know if injuries on the offensive line are our biggest concern right now. I think one thing that I would like to see more from Kaiser is more distribution of the ball. I mean, basically, he. it's funny you mentioned uh, Tommy Reese because I feel like sometimes he's doing a little bit of what Tommy Reese used to do. And, you know, you had Eifert, and we're hitting Eifert, you know, and it's, you know, and he was the first read, you know, unless, unless proven otherwise sort of thing. And now we have Will Fuller, and, you know, that's – that's who you want out there, of course. But I think that we're missing a lot of opportunities to gain yards across the middle of the field with guys like uh, Corey Robinson. The fact that Corey Robinson is only getting maybe one or two targets a game, I don't know whose fault that is. But I feel like just given his productivity last year and his ability to catch plays over the catch passes over the middle, I feel like we don't throw those routes enough. We, we just don't. I mean, we had one underneath route. I think it was to Carlisle. Um, that was fairly successful. And I feel like those routes, we, I feel like, we, like you said, there is sort of, I don't know if it's the game plan is vanilla or, you know, Kaiser is just not comfortable dealing with those particular routes within a given formation, in a given play. And he just elects to go to the outside to either Chris Brown or Will Fuller. Um, I, I don't really know what, what the scenario is, but I feel like our, our offense can get uh, sort of predictable and vanilla uh, within within you know the confines of any given game yeah this felt like one of those games in the past where we're always trying to get medium to deeper routes in the passing game and and it's just so hard to do that in the college game and i don't know why it just hasn't really ever felt like the kelly regime and the offense has taken advantage of the short passing game no. you know we kind of we'll get tight ends on on little core routes or we'll do wide receiver quick outs and stuff like that. But we never – like crossing routes aren't really big. It seems like you watch other spread offenses and they're always taking advantage of athletes on crossing routes and, you know, catching the ball with speed and then gaining 15 more yards. This is with a type of game where we saw a couple plays against that, against Wake Forest, but it, the rest of the game it seemed like Kaiser was sitting back there waiting forever for all these plays 20 yards downfield, 30 yards downfield to develop, and it just – they weren't having any of it. No. And I think the closest thing we see to that are these tunnel screens that will fuller runs, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's all well and good every once in a while, but that can't be the bread and butter of your intermediate passing game, you know, or short to intermediate passing game. We need, like I said, we need to see more slants. I mean, we see Torrey Hunter run those plays a lot and they're successful as hell, you know, when we run them and we never do. And though, you know, especially when guys, when teams are, it could just be also that teams are playing a lot of zone against Notre Dame, which would sort of, uh, you know, you don't want to necessarily run the slants and those kind of routes against a zone defense. Um, but at the same time, you know, we don't, we're not running these crossing routes. We basically conceded the seams. We don't really throw too many, too many passes down the seam, you know, to a tight end or something, which you would figure with the athletes that we have at the position would be, you know, an integral component of the, of our offense. You know, everything seems to be to the boundary. Um which I think makes us fairly predictable. Right. Yeah, I feel like we make it really easy on linebackers. I feel if we were playing against Jalen Smith, he would have a field day against us. Oh, good Lord, yeah. I mean, if, if you know, you're not – it's not even so much you're, you're – you know, I mean, you have the athletes. You know, you have – I mean, and we've seen it before. 
Like last year, we used to see that all the time. I mean, how many? I mean, go back to the Florida State game last year. I mean, how? I mean, uh, Corey Robinson had a field day, just you know, uh, breaking across the middle of the field and getting open, you know, from between the hashes and whatnot. You know, so it's not like it's not in Brian Kelly's playbook. It's just a question of why have we? Why do we go away from these plays that seem to be successful? You know, with the personnel that we have, and it just. I don't know. I just feel like we're, we make things. It's like, we're trying to play with a handicap, you know, it's it's like, come on, just go, just go and, and, and make the plays that make sense. I think I lost you there for a second. So um, let's switch sides of the ball. Um, talk about the defense. Not a great performance from the defense, but probably pretty good overall. It felt like Wake Forest was doing just enough to uh, to move the ball. They ended up with 23 first downs, which isn't a very pretty number, but their yards per play wasn't great. Um, yeah. They didn't gain a whole lot of yardage. Um, Notre Dame did a pretty good job when it mattered of shutting them down. Uh, Wake Forest was pretty aggressive going forward on fourth downs, not kicking field goals. Um, what did you think about this defensive performance? I know you wanted to talk about the secondary. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I don't know. I wasn't thrilled about it. Um, I mean, one thing that I will say about Wake Forest is they got helped out a couple of times in some key third down conversions, personal fouls for for, for first downs. Um, I know at least one roughing the snapper, which was you know whatever didn't really look like that to me. But um, I know Cole Luke. I think I called on a pass interference, which was a little you know ticky tack. But regardless, you know, so some of their drives, I know at least their touchdown drive was sustained. I think it was by the roughing the snapper call. Yep. Um, so, you know, th- that happened. I, did, I didn't I did like, though, that we weren't able to get them off the field, though. I, that just drives me up a wall. Like a team like Wake Forest, you should be able to get them off the field. I'm tired of seeing quarterbacks running down the middle of the field with nobody, nobody in coverage, nobody, you know. Man, it's just, I don't know. Sometimes – you know, our defense, you look at it and there's two linebackers, you know, staring into the backfield on a give to the outside for running back and, you know, or on a screen or something. So someone who should have the responsibility, I think it was, it was, I don't know if they scored on that player. It was, it was the goal line stand, but what ended up happening was I think the corner was on the receiver. Uh, there was a second receiver behind him. So there should have been a linebacker or um, a safety should have had that guy's responsibility as he was coming out from behind that block but instead, that person, along with a linebacker who actually had the responsibility of spying the quarterback, you had two guys staring at the quarterback who didn't have the ball anymore, and this guy is going towards the end zone. And it seems like there's not a lot of discipline. I know they keep talking about eye discipline, and it just seems like there's not a lot of discipline, period, for guys to stay to their assignments. It just seems like guys are looking to make plays, which is nice, but at the expense of leaving guys open um and giving up big play and i think that that's why we're giving up so many big plays these guys are not staying home to what their assignments ought to be yeah it was frustrating was if you well you wouldn't count the, the last drive of the game but the final play of the game wake forest got right to the 50 yard line at, at midfield but prior to that they had crossed midfield five times in this game and they only came away with seven points they didn't get anything on two fourth down conversions inside the Notre Dame 10 yard line. Um, you know, they could have kicked field goals there. They missed another field goal. That would have been a, a pretty, you know, it was probably like what 30 something yard field goal before they got a personal foul penalty. It made it a 52 yarder. Um, you know, this, this game really could have been a lot closer than it, it, it was had Wake Forest done some things differently and, and a couple of things broke. Uh, 
you know, different, different ways. Uh, you know, I think they did a pretty good job of limiting the big plays in this game. Uh, Wake Forest only had two plays over 20 yards. Uh, they did have the one 52-yard pass play, I believe it was. Uh, Cole Luke, I think, was was in on that. Pretty decent coverage, but he doesn't turn around for the ball. It seems like you know yeah. most of our secondary are, are like that. I mean, that's pretty much why they're playing in the secondary and not receivers. So I don't know. that You can pretty much do that to yeah. any secondary. It's, that's tough to defend, but that is frustrating to watch. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I will say I think one thing that was uh, good in terms of limiting big plays was that the safety play, I noticed, was a lot better mm-hmm. this game. I saw it looked like Shoemate and Redfield were staying to their assignments more. They looked much better tackling. Um, and uh, particularly Max Redfield, he looked like he had probably one of the better games um, of his career uh, just in terms of fundamental play. I think we also saw, again, though, you know, uh, Kavari Russell, you know, getting not necessarily on huge pass plays, but, you know, he wasn't getting his head around for the ball, you know, and, and these are things that bother me, not so much because, you know, oh, you know, it's a great athlete on the other side, but regardless of who the athlete is you're going against, those are fundamentals that you need to be performing every time you're going to go out on the field, regardless if, you know, you're standing next to Julio Jones or, you know, some other guy. You know, the bottom line is you need to get your head around, and we see them again and again not playing with those good fundamentals which when, you know, you're playing against a better receiver, a better athlete are going to turn into big plays because you're not, you know, playing with those good fundamentals. I mean, we saw Kavari Russell break up that class on a big hit where he really closed in when they were, you know, deep in their own territory, which is great. I'd love to see that all the time. You know, Mm -hmm. I want to see that kind of aggressiveness, that play on the ball all the time instead of, you know, sort of the waiting for it to come to me that we, that we see a lot from this secondary. So I think the way I take away from it is that our safety play got elevated in this game. I thought they played pretty well. But on the other hand, the cornerbacks still continue to struggle, and they're not, and they don't seem to be showing improvement. And that's, I think, what bothers me the most about this particular game and this particular performance. Although Joe Schmidt did have a good game. I thought he had probably one of the better games he's had in a no-game uniform. Yeah, early in the game, it, it seemed like we kept our safeties back. We didn't respect Wake Forest's front game at all, and they kind of – didn't really gash us, but they uh, – I was going over the stats. They had 13 runs for f- at least five yards, and they didn't really have any, you know, 10 or 12-yard runs. They're a bunch of five, six, seven-yard runs. But 10 of those came in the first half. It seemed like we kind of tightened up. We brought our safeties up uh, to help out in the run game. You know, like you said, Schmidt had a really good game. Jalen had a bunch of tackles. But it felt like, especially in the first quarter and a half, first half, you know, we were making a lot of tackles, four, five, six yards um, past the line of scrimmage. And I kind of felt like that's how Wake Forest kind of gummed us up um, throughout most of the game, just very slowly um, moving the ball. I'm interested to see what the uh, five factors say um, when we publish that. I, I, I would imagine they did a pretty, I don't want to say a lot better job, but I bet they would probably did a better job at us than uh, having, you know, run success rate was better than us and stuff like that. I think that was really kind of the, the difference in this game between, you know, Notre Dame winning by three touchdowns in Wake Forest, you know, not getting blown out or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree. And I don't, I don't, and it's just sort of – it just looked like I think what we're both trying to say here is that the front seven in this game looked pretty porous against a team that's not that great on offense. And that that's what's got me frightened about going forward. You know, is McCaffrey going to – you know, just barrel through this this front seven, or you know, whoever we play in in, in the postseason, is it going to be the same scenario? Are we? Go- I mean, so far we've been pretty good at stopping the run, you know. So the question is, 
was just was this just a game where the team just didn't get up for it? You know that they're, you know, they've had a tough stretch of games, and this is sort of a, you know, a letdown game, senior day, and all that sort of stuff. You know, we're resting a bunch of guys. Is that what the scenario was? And if so, great. But if not, where are the problems? And I hope the coaching staff can address them and fix them before they really come back to haunt us. Yeah, I thought the the front seven was pretty good in this game. I, I don't know. They, I'm interested to see the snap counts. We rotated at some guys that we haven't really done all this season. You know, Blankenship got got some time out there. Um, Bonner was out there quite a bit. Obviously, Daniel Cage wasn't playing. So, um, I don't think you know. It wasn't like we split reps, but uh, you know, a lot of backups that were pretty cold haven't played in a long time. We're also in there that kind of affected things. And, yeah, it didn't really seem like we were up at all for this game. Probably, you know, a couple months from now, that's probably the big takeaway we'll have is they just weren't really fired up for this game at all. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, especially considering what we what you already mentioned is that Deshaun Kaiser didn't look as sharp as he normally does. And I think, it, you know, I think we, well, at least we can we can just declare that they didn't get up for this game and hope that that's actually the case and there's not something else a brewing that – uh it's going to, like I said, come back and haunt us. All right, so let's let's kind of move on from that game. Um, probably won't really ever talk about it ever again. Um, <laughs> Josh Adams' 98-yard touchdown run, I guess that's the last thing we could talk about here. Yeah. Um, longest in Notre Dame history, longest in Notre Dame Stadium history. I think they said longest play from an FBS player this year. So he broke a bunch of records on that run. Uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, I agree, and I – and. You know, I was. It was one of those runs where normally you see these runs where, uh, you know, they'll usually get up to the secondary and maybe only have to make one man miss and not be touched. But he broke, I think, at least two tackles uh, on that run. You know, and wrote to a 98 yard touchdown run, and that you know that's impressive from a true freshman. You know, I think he's going to be very special. You know, like like Heisman good. You know, going forward, um, not obviously not this year, even next year, but maybe as a junior. I mean, I think this kid has has it all. Um, I'd like, I'd still like to see him more to be used along with CJ process. When CJ is being, is really in the starting role to see him more on short yardage um, and stuff like that. I, I, you know, again, they did have to rotate him out for more blocking on obvious passing downs and that's not ideal quite yet. Um, but hopefully that's something that he'll continue to grow into um, as this season progresses, because I think he uh, he offers a lot on third down, like a third and five or something, or even third and short. More importantly, so I think, you know, I, I think we can all be pretty pretty pleased with our who started off the year at I think four string running back. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing to think about some of the stuff that's gone on in offense. All right, let's talk about the national picture now. Notre Dame moved up into that fourth playoff spot last week. Um, committee pushing up Notre Dame a spot uh, we would you know would have played Clemson if it was the end of it Clemson doesn't really put away Syracuse over the weekend all that strongly they kind of were in a tight game there it was 10 points pretty much the whole game Alabama more or less crushed Mississippi State it looks like Alabama's kind of making their uh, their case as the top team in the country once again Ohio State started off pretty slowly against Illinois and kind of pulled away late against the Illini didn't look all that impressive Iowa was in a, a little bit of a battle with Minnesota. They're still undefeated. They moved to 10-0. and 0. Baylor does fall. That was kind of a big chip that Notre Dame needed to happen. They lose to o- Oklahoma. I think it was by 10 points. 
Stanford loses. That doesn't help Notre Dame at all. Oregon upsets the Cardinal uh, in Palo Alto. Oklahoma State, oh, man, that looked like they were about to fall to Iowa State, but they came back and won that game. So some things went pretty well for Notre Dame. Other things didn't really go all that well. Um, we'll also mentioned that Temple lost. They got more or less blown out by uh, South Florida, so that wasn't very good either. But USC and Navy did continue their winning ways. Yeah, I think that that's all – sort of a wash you know I think mm-hmm. I was really hoping for the Oklahoma State loss I mean I watched the end of that game and Iowa State just oh man you just just blew it at the end I mean they, they had two horrible play calls I mean you want to complain about Brian Kelly's play calling go back and look at that game because that was they had some two brutal play calls uh, when they still had two minutes left uh, to potentially score and, and, and win that game um you know, Syracuse, uh, given Clemson a game, I'm not surprised. Syracuse hasn't been great this year. Their record makes it seem like they're, they're – I think they're better than their record is. I mean, I've watched them against a couple of teams now, and Syracuse has always given everybody a fight, whether it's LSU or whomever. So I'm not surprised that Syracuse really got up for Clemson and really was a thorn in their side. Um, I mean, Temple losing to USF pretty badly doesn't certainly doesn't help. Navy blowing out SMU. SMU is not good this year. I don't know. I mean, the big thing is Stanford. I think Stanford is still a play and we're in sort of scenario. I think mm-hmm. if we beat uh, uh, a uh, nine and two Stanford team, I think we're still that still looks pretty darn good. Um, I mean, that's assuming. I mean, if if at the end of the day, if Oregon gets into the the big Pac-12 championship, I think that hurts us. If Stanford still manages to get into the championship game, I think it's we're still okay. I think in the, in that regard, I don't really know about the Big Twelve. I don't know if we want Oklahoma to win out, or if we want them to lose one more, or if we want them. I think the best thing would be for TCU to beat them, and then yeah. something mm-hmm. something else to happen. I don't. I, I think the more chaos goes on, I think it's better for Notre Dame. I think we need to sort of just keep winning, and then let everybody else, you know, let everything else burn, pretty much. Well, the big news this Sunday afternoon slash evening was Ohio, or excuse me, Oklahoma State um, moved ahead of Notre Dame in the AP poll. So Oklahoma State now fourth. Do you think that's going to be what's going to happen in the playoff poll? Do you think they're going to slot Oklahoma State or Iowa up ahead of Notre Dame? Uh, potentially Iowa. I don't. I, I don't really know at this juncture. I mean, Iowa was in a close one with Minnesota, forty to thirty-five. So maybe Iowa. But I'll say that I don't think they're going to reward Oklahoma State. I think if they haven't rewarded them thus far, I don't think they're going to be rewarded for scraping one past a three-win Iowa State team. I, I don't see the committee doing that. I think the AP poll is, you know, they're going to do what they want to do, and that's fine. But I think we've seen a good amount of variance by the committee from sort of the, I guess you could say, traditional wisdom in both the AP and the coaches poll. So I'm not too concerned about Oklahoma State. I mean, if Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma, now that's something to talk about. If if Oklahoma State wins out, then I'm concerned. But I'm not concerned going into Week 12 that uh, that they'll jump us. So it seems like kind of going into this week, it's really seven-team focus, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, Iowa, and Oklahoma. I guess you could probably throw Florida in there as the SEC East champion, but those seven or eight teams are kind of 
going to be the focus for, you know, at least another week of to kind of keep our eyes on to see what happens. Um, Ohio State, I think, plays Michigan State this weekend. I don't know if there's any other big games among that group, but that Ohio State-Michigan State game is going to be one that we can hope the Spartans can pull off an upset there. That would be pretty nice. Yes, indeed. Because, I mean, if you look at I, I mean, Clemson can still lose to UNC, I think, although UNC really hasn't played that top of the schedule quite yet. Um, and I think we want to continue Clemson's winning. Um, I think that that works out for us. I think we have to concede that Alabama's not going to lose another game. I mean, they play Charles, Charleston Southern uh, in a big matchup uh, this this Saturday, this coming Saturday, and uh, then they play Auburn, who's you know, well, I mean, you never know. That's a big rivalry game, but I think Crimson Tide will probably own Auburn in that game. Uh, so I think we can kind of assume Alabama's not going to lose again, at least throughout the regular season. Uh, but yeah, I think we kind of got to hope that Oklahoma State loses. I think we've got to hope that Ohio State is, gets beat by either Michigan or Michigan State. Uh, I think preferably by Michigan. Um, and we'll see. You know, and, and hope that Iowa drops. Yeah, I don't have much faith uh, that Michigan State's going to be able to do it. I was in their game with uh, Maryland, and it was just, oh my God, it was worse than Notre Dame game. Oh. Connor Cook was all banged up. They tried to keep him in there, and then he, he had to come out. And uh, it was just – literally the teams couldn't complete passes, and Maryland's offense is just an abomination. It was it was, t- it was tough to watch. It was 7-7 for a long time, and I was sitting there kind of thinking to myself, Michigan State's defense is going to do something to kind of break this game open, and boom, they, they got a pick six and then eventually kind of ran away with it. But uh, I don't think they have the horses to, to play with Ohio State, even though Ohio State hasn't really been you know super on this year. No, I agree. I mean, I watched a little bit of the Illinois game, and you know, Illinois looked looked like they were you know they were they were they were punching back against Ohio State. You know, I think Ohio State has benefited from a sort of weaker schedule, and you know, obviously riding their you know defending champs status. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, I, but I think that that's sort of the scenario we need to look forward to. All right, Shamrock Series this upcoming weekend night game. For all you listeners, remember this is on NBC Sports Network, not on NBC. First time this is going to be happening. Notre Dame's going to be in the all-green uniforms with the weird gold helmets with the fat Shamrock head. Um, at Fenway Park, probably going to be a pretty cool atmosphere, you know, right in – downtown Boston, playing Boston College. I just looked, and the win Las Vegas has Notre Dame as a 17-point favorite in this game, a lot higher than I thought it would be. Yeah, I think it's just because, I mean, you look at the last game, or I don't know if it was the last game, but uh, one of the games Boston College has played against common opponent is they lost a, a thriller against Wake Forest 3 nothing. I mean, just to yeah. give you a sense of how bad Boston College's yeah. offense is. So Yeah, they can't score. Yeah, I would think, you know, Vegas might be looking at us to cover that spread, you know, by just winning 17 nothing, or I guess, you know, 18 nothing or something, just whatever. Yeah, that would be three or something like that. 24, six. I don't know. Something in that yeah. ballpark. Yeah. I mean, and quite frankly, I would have taken the Irish to cover this week. I, you know, if I had bet, I would have taken them to cover this weekend. Um, they came up a little short, you know, normally, um, you know, because I think the score was what twenty one. Twenty one was uh, twenty six was the spread. And we only won by twenty one. Um, 
But I think, but we've been pretty good in terms of covering the spread so far this year. Well, let's see. Let's see if the offense has another flat game. If they're really looking, I don't know. Maybe they got it's all in their head now that that you know because there's been so much chatter that Stanford is basically our quarterfinal game. You know, let's see if the coaching staff has them ready to you know make some style points against Boston College. And I think I don't know how much the style points matter this year. It doesn't seem like they have so far. So I don't know. It, no. Doesn't it didn't really work for Baylor or any other Big Twelve teams. So. Oh, de- definitely not. And Baylor's, you know, Baylor's gone now. I mean, I don't think. I mean, they they weren't getting any love when they were undefeated. I don't think we really need to worry about Baylor um, overtaking us at this point. And like you said, I don't think them blowing out, you know, the little sisters of the poor every week by fifty uh, did any good for them. All right, that'll wrap up our podcast. We'll see you guys in another. A pretty crazy atmosphere. Uh, remember, this is technically a Notre Dame home game, so you're going to see Notre Dame, uh, you know, painted end zones and stuff like that. So that uh, should be a pretty cool atmosphere. Um, Phil, you got anything else to say before we get out of here? No, just take care of business. Just I think at the end of the day, with all the stuff that's going to happen, is you know Notre Dame just got to win out, sit there at eleven one, and then you know hope every the chips fall in our direction i mean we know that this is you know this is not an unsuccessful season this has been a very successful season a real uh shot in the arm for this program considering everything that happened at the beginning of the year and in the preseason so you know just keep on winning and you know let everything else sort itself out yeah very well said a shot in the arm that's kind of definitely how i would describe this season um i'm eric that's phil we'll see you guys next week hopefully after Monday day moves to 10 and 1 uh prior to Palo Alto to play Stanford. We'll see you guys later.